The epistle for the 12th Sunday after Pentecost is taken from St. Paul's second epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 3. Brethren, such confidence we have through Christ towards God, not that we are sufficient to think anything of ourselves as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also hath made us fit ministers of the New Testament, not in the letter, but in the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit quickeneth. Now, now if the ministration of death, engraven with letters upon stones, was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which is made void, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather in glory? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more the ministration of justice aboundeth in glory. In the Holy Gospel. It's taken from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 10. At that time, Jesus said to his disciples, Blessed are the eyes that see the things which you see. For I say to you that many prophets and kings have desired to see the things that you see and have not seen them, and to hear the things that you hear and have not heard them. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up, tempting him and saying, Master, what must I do to possess eternal life? But he said to him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? He answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with thy whole heart and with thy whole soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said to him, Thou hast answered rightly, This do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers who also stripped him and having wounded him, went away, leaving him half dead. And it chanced that a certain priest went down the same way and seeing him, passed by. In like manner also a Levite, when he was near the place and saw him, passed by. But a certain Samaritan, being on his journey, came near him, and seeing him, was moved with compassion. And going up to him, bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and setting him upon his own beast, brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two pence and gave to the host and said, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou shalt spend over and above, I, I at my return will repay thee. Which of these three, in thy opinion, was neighbor to him that fell among robbers? But he said, He that showed mercy to him. And Jesus said to him, Go and do thou in like manner. Thus far the words of today's Holy Gospel. But a certain Samaritan came by 
and seeing him was moved with compassion. And these words are taken from the gospel of today's Mass in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear faithful, there was once a king who had an only son whom he loved more than anything in the world. And the son, the prince, was a good and obedient son. He was strong and brave, and he possessed every virtue that a father could desire in a son. And the people of this kingdom also loved this prince as well. Wherever this prince went, they spoke of his goodness and of his generosity, because they saw that the prince was truly concerned for their welfare. And many times he interceded on behalf of the people with his father, the king. Now the prince, of course, had many servants, but there was one servant in particular who was like a brother to him. The servant was the prince's own age, and the two had grown up in the palace together since the time that they were boys. Though, of course, there was a great difference between the two in terms of their social rank, still this did not prevent them from becoming the closest of friends. As they grew older, however, the servant fell in with the wrong crowd until one day the servant committed a terrible crime. And it was such a terrible crime that demanded punishment. And the punishment decreed by the king was that the servant be put to death. The prince, of course, pleaded in vain for the life of his friend. But the king, who was strictly just in his judgments, said, he said, I cannot pardon this man. His crime is too terrible. And the laws of our country demand that I put him to death in punishment for his wickedness. But father, replied the prince, suppose I could find a provision in the law which permitted you to pardon such a criminal. Would you then not spare this man for my sake? And the king's and the father answered, he said, if you can find a law which permits me to pardon your friend and yet still fulfill the requirements of justice, then I will do as you wish for your sake. And so the prince went away filled with hope. And the next day he returned to his father joyfully and very confidently. Father, he announced, I have found a way for you to pardon my friend and at the same time pass a just sentence in accord with the law. It is a law of our nation, continued the prince. It is a law of our nation that a man may be pardoned for his offense if another man will offer himself to accept the punishment of the, of the criminal. Therefore, concluded the prince, 
I offer myself to undergo the sentence of death in order that my servant and friend may go free. Well, of course, at first the king was stunned. He called in all of his lawyers and ordered them to investigate this matter to see if what the prince said was true. And to the king's grief and dismay, his advisors returned and informed him that what the prince said was indeed true. That the prince could offer himself in the place of the condemned man. And the king was overwhelmed with sorrow. And he begged his son to reconsider, to think of the life he had yet to live, to think of the people whom he would someday rule. But nothing the king would say could say would dissuade the prince from his purpose. So great was the love and charity in his heart that he had determined to save the life of his friend at any cost. And so finally the king was forced to agree, for he had given a promise that if a way could be found to pardon the servant, he would do it. The morning of the execution came, and you can imagine the shock of the people when they saw their beloved prince led in chains from the dungeon and taken to the place of execution. Even more shocked was the servant himself as he heard the sentence of death read aloud and realized that his friend, the prince, had taken this death upon himself rather than allow him to endure it. And the amazement of the crowd only grew as they heard the prince raise his voice to ask one last favor of his father, before the executioner's axe fell. The prince cried, he said, It's my hope and desire that this servant, my friend, for whom I am dying, become heir to the kingdom which I was to inherit. I want him to take my place, continued the prince. I wish him to have the rights and privileges which were to be mine so that he may always remember me and the love which I had for him. And then after saying these words, the prince meekly bowed his head to the executioner, and in a few moments he was dead. The king, his father, honored this last wish of his son, and he made the servant and former criminal the heir to his kingdom, with all the honors which his son, the prince, had previously enjoyed. And the servant, for his part, was, of course, moved by this great compassion and this great charity. He never forgot the supreme sacrifice which his friend had made for love of him. And he made a change of life. He strove every single day to make himself more and more worthy of the love and confidence 
which the prince had placed in him. Well, my dear faithful, in today's Mass, we read the Gospel of the Good Samaritan. And many fathers and doctors of the Church see in the Good Samaritan a figure or a type of our Divine Savior. When Adam sinned, it was as though mankind was attacked by the devil, just as a man was attacked in the gospel, that he was stripped of sanctifying grace, wounded in our human nature, and left to perish in sin. But our Lord, the divine Good Samaritan, became one of us to heal our wounds by his grace to restore to us God's friendship. He took our sins upon himself as though they were his own. And then he suffered and died to pay the price which we owed to the Eternal Father. Like the Good Samaritan and like the prince in the story, our Lord spared no effort or price to save us. After 30 years of patient suffering and toil in the hidden life, after three years of teaching and good example, what did our divine Savior do? But he poured out every drop of his most precious blood to heal the wounds of our soul, to show us how much he loves us. However, St. John Chrysostom says that there is another application of this parable, which is the one pointed out to us by by our divine Savior. For our Lord held out the Good Samaritan as someone we are to imitate. We, my dear faithful, are surrounded on all sides by those who have been wounded by the devil for we all carry the effects of original sin with us, even after the redemption of Christ. We are all still frail creatures. We are all subject to temptation, at times failing in the practice of virtue. There are many, countless opportunities for us to show mercy and compassion on those around us, especially uh, to those who are closest to us, friends, work associates, and especially family members. We should, my dear faithful, ask ourselves today during Mass, am I a good Samaritan? Do I have the virtues of the good Samaritan? Do I have compassion upon the weaknesses and the shortcomings of others? When someone offends us, we have to ask ourselves, do we immediately fire back with a retort or insult, with sarcasm? Or do we try to diffuse the situation with a kind word, 
Are we always looking to criticize, to condemn others? Or do we try to make excuses for others' failings? Do we forgive from our hearts those who have injured us? Do we pray for our enemies and try to be reconciled with them? My dear faithful, when I say enemies, I don't mean enemies in the sense of a mortal enemy. It could be our neighbors across the street or the in-laws whom we are giving the silent treatment. The servant in the story had betrayed the prince's trust. He had violated the laws of the country And he did deserve death for his crime. But the prince, his friend, looked past this. And he was filled with charity toward him. He had compassion on his friend's weakness. We, my dear faithful, all have our faults and failings. We have all been wounded by original sin. And we are all in need of pity and compassion. And Christ had pity and great compassion on us. So much so that he paid the price for our sins. He assists us each day with his grace. And he comforts and forgives us in the confessional. He has so much compassion that he even joins himself to us in the most blessed sacrament. And so now our divine Savior turns towards us and he commands us to treat others just as he has treated us. Go, he says, go and do thou in like manner. And so, my dear faithful, when we are tempted to become angry and impatient at the shortcomings of others, and we will be tempted towards this because we are human, strive to call to mind our own defects and failings, to remember how many times God has pardoned us, How many offenses have we given to others, often without even realizing it? And so strive to go out of your way to be kind and cheerful to someone who has offended you, whether it be your spouse, your sibling, a co-worker. If animosity has crept in between you and someone else, Let us be the one to seek reconciliation. Even if we are not at fault, let us be the one to offer our forgiveness with a kind word or some little attention to show that the past is forgotten. And then if we are the ones who give offense, let us be humble. Let us be humble enough to admit our own fault and to ask for forgiveness. And finally, when someone you know or 
even a complete stranger, has broken God's laws in some way. Remember, my dear faithful, that we can always do for them what our Lord did for his own executioners, what he did from the cross. He prayed for them. He even made an excuse for them. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so let us likewise, my dear faithful, pray for them, even to make sacrifices on their behalf. And you will thereby fulfill the command of our divine Savior to go and do in like manner. And even as we do all of this, let us never forget the great mercy, the love, and the compassion our Lord has shown us, that he took our place. He offered his life to his eternal Father, and he cares for us with an infinite love, a most burning love in his most sacred heart. And so never forget what he has done for us. And may we live in such a manner as to be always making a return of love to his most sacred heart. May God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.